Welcome to the Talking With Tech Podcast. This is Chris Bougay here with... Rachel Madel. Hey, Chris. Hi, Rachel. So, Rachel, um, I understand that you presented at Speech Retreat. So can you tell people a little bit about what is Speech Retreat? I actually had not heard of it until you had uh, mentioned you were presenting there. And tell us all about it. How did it go? You know, Speech Retreat is a really awesome um, virtual speech and language conference. Um, I have... I have presented for them in the past and it's always a really great group. It's a full day. It's a Saturday, but they do really fun things like give swag bags that get sent to your house and the energy is always really high. And, you know, this year we had a theme of rockstar SLPs. So we each got introduced and picked a song that we, you know, had the had play as we like kind of came on to the stage, the virtual stage. Um, so yeah, it was a really great conference and I presented them for, I've presented for them in the past and I actually am presenting for them again this summer. Um, and so it's just a really great, uh, it's a really great time. Sounds like a, it sounds like it was a blast. I, I, there's not a way you can watch it after the fact, right? No, you have to kind of be in, you have to be in, you have to be in the network. Um, if you sign up for it prior, you then have access to all the recordings. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely, it's a paid event and you have to, yeah, join before it kind of goes off and then you have access to those recordings. I think I actually knew you were presenting there, not because you had mentioned it to me, but because I had gotten your email uh, on your newsletter, right? Your email list. And so I got that, uh, that correspondence that way. Yeah. So speaking of that email, that email, so we sent out an email prior to the speech retreat happening. And what the topic that I talked about was how do we get kids outside of just basic requesting, which I know for our listeners is a huge challenge. Oftentimes we have kids who are very much using communication and language for requesting. And that's kind of where it, it ends, right? They're not using language for all the other purposes that we use language for. So in the email, I mentioned some of the things that I was going to be talking about. And one of those being slang and how can we help our students with complex communication needs? Uh, communicate like their peers? And can we take into consideration things like slang and program specific phrases and words into an AAC system? So someone on my email list reached out to me after that email went, uh, went live and said, you know, hey, there's some some challenges that I have with this email and it's offensive, basically. Um, and we had used a GIF of Rihanna um, kind of turning her neck um, in a sassy way. And that paired with the topic of slang um, and using specific slang words and phrases without kind of talking about the importance of having those conversations with families. So, you know, I get this email response from someone on my email list and I'm like, thank you so much. I didn't even realize this. And so, you know, I responded right away and said, thank you for sharing this. I had no idea. And I'm, of course I never want to offend anyone. Um, and it really opened up a lot of conversations around this idea of slang and again, how important it is to figure out the origin of slang and also more importantly, having conversations with families about, you know, their culture and being culturally responsive. And so after that, those conversations, I started realizing, well, I need to bring this up during speech retreat, right? Like I need to actually share this message and share this because 
you know, I'm sure there were a lot of people on my email list who didn't know either. And I think, you know, just sharing all of the things that we're learning as we continue to learn and grow and try to know more and do better, sharing that is really important. And so the day of speech retreat came and I shared the story of the email that I got and, you know, it really shifted the way that I was thinking about these conversations and, and slang in general. Um, and so I'm, I'm happy that we can share and talk about it on the podcast because it was definitely a, an area of growth and learning for me. And I'm very grateful to anyone who reaches out to me and gives me feedback. Um, but especially in regards to being culturally responsive, because, um, that's something that I, you know, really want to do. And I am grateful when people, you know, take the time to reach out and share and, and, and teach me. Um, and I'm open to that. And so, um, it was, it ended up being a really great, uh, a really great experience having, you know, those conversations and then being able to share those. So it sounds like a really a big growth moment for you that actually extend extended to me because one of the outcomes of that was an email that you received from someone named Christina. Is that accurate? Yes. Christina sent me an email once I sent the kind of um, apology email, like, hey, guys, like this actually was really offensive and I didn't realize it. Um, she responded to that and said, thank you. I appreciate you sending this email. Um, and then she also mentioned the episode that we uh, had done on slang, not the episode, I should say the banter that we did um, previously. And then I was just like, well, I'm just going to go ahead and forward this along to Chris. Which I totally appreciated that because um, it was a definitely, again, a learning moment for me. So what that email sort of said was, yeah, I kind of had the same feeling about the slang banter that Chris did with his kids. And so if you go back in the archives, um, there there's an episode where I invite my kids to come on. Rachel wasn't there. It's just uh, me and T Tucker and Maggie and talking about slang they use as kids in middle school and high school. And they went through different um, slang terms that they use. And I remember sitting here right in this closet um, thinking, this is going a little bit long. That was one thought I had, but it's okay. Like, we, you know, what's a few extra minutes? And I remember thinking some of the terms that they're using have certain origins that I know of for sure. And I made the conscious decision in that moment not to mention where those origins are from or even reflect on it at all. And that's the growth moment is that I absolutely could have, I absolutely should have, have, have said that some of these phrases comes from, uh, uh, from different communities than, than, well, different communities all over. I mean, there was, a, there was so many different phrases that uh, they've just adopted and they use in their friend group that have come from uh, African-American English or the LGBTQ communities. Um, and and I, I, in reflecting on it, I, and, you know, I love my analogies, right? Uh, the, the metaphor that came to my head or the scenario that came into my head that was a great analogy for me was just a few episodes ago, I was talking about the experience of being at ATIA and being in the audience and seeing a meme I created up on the screen used by someone else and thinking, oh, that kind of feels oogie, like, because it wasn't credited to me. And then I did the exact same thing in previous episodes uh, when talking about slang and not giving credit or even acknowledging where these phrases came from. And so it was like, yeah, that is like this, right? And so um, so here's the apology for that and the uh, attempt to say that we, we recognize where those phrases come from. Um, if you go back and listen to all those phrases, there was, there's so many um, that we talked about, but um, 
just know that that I should have acknowledged to my kids in that moment and to the listening audience beyond uh, that there's a recognition that there was um, that these phrases came from other cultures. Yeah. The other thing that I learned was, you know, when we're thinking about slang, it really is cultural, right? like cultural in origin, regional sometimes, which I think we can definitely relate to. There's certain, you know, terms that we use um, in certain parts of the country and the world. Um, and then also generational, right? Like, and so it's just interesting to start thinking through those different lenses when we're thinking about slang. Um, and that was another aha moment for me was, yes, these are different things to be thinking about when we're having these conversations and we're trying to figure out what to program and target. Um, and again, I think the most important thing is that we, we are having these conversations with families specifically um, because we want our, our complex communicators to sound like their peers and we want to have language in their AAC systems that help them, you know, better, better communicate in the same ways that their peers and families and communities do. Um, and so I think just having those conversations, taking the extra time, um, even though it might feel a little uncomfortable, um, I think that that is what we really need to do in order to be culturally responsive uh, educators. Uh, all right. Ready to roll into the interview? So this is an interview uh, that I did, actually more of a discussion with a group of educators that are trying to put together or have trying to further their work with AAC. So you're going to hear um, uh, four different, besides me, four different voices of people sort of sharing their perspectives on developing their AAC and beyond uh, program. The people in this interview are Christina Eady, Erica Sawyer, Joy Mockby and Bernadette Wiley. Do you love this podcast? We would love for you to take a second and leave us a review on iTunes. That way more people can find this podcast and learn how to support individuals using AAC. We also love hearing from our listeners. It reminds us that all of the hard work we put into this podcast really matters. And don't forget to subscribe so you always know when we release new podcasts. Now let's head back into the episode. Welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet, and I'm here with one, two, three, four, five different educators uh, to talk about different questions they might have. So why don't we start with Christina? Christina, I think this got started because of you. So why don't you tell us a little about who you are, what you do, and then when you're done, pass it off to somebody else and we'll go sort of round robin like that, where the next person then says, how about we hear from this person and until so we get everybody introduced. Okay. So my name is uh, Christina Eady, and I am a speech language pathologist with Hancock County Schools in Weirton, West Virginia. Um, I have been a speech pathologist for over 20 years, and currently the majority of my case caseload is young elementary school, preschool age children who some of them do have um, pretty significant communication needs. Um, and we are using AAC with them, with low-tech and high-tech, um, in the classroom, in a self-contained classroom. I'm going to throw it to Erica. Hi, my name is Erica Sauer. 
I'm the director of special programs for Hancock County Schools. And um, as Christy has been um, speaking about, we've, we've been meeting and trying to brainstorm and come up with uh, how to provide our nonverbal students as well as some of our other students that are verbal but still need that functional communication with, with a way of accessing communication um, all day long in their school environment using AAC and trying to um, think outside the box at the same time because we're dealing with a lot of staffing issues and staffing changes, like, uh, you know, as, as the rest of the country with teacher shortages and, and a lack of highly trained teachers. You know, we have a lot of um, people that are in long-term substitute positions that don't necessarily have a special education degree and have that specialty training uh, and how to promote, promote that language acquisition in children and, and helping um, to use any, any form of AAC. So how can we use our team of specialists to uh, make communication accessible uh, in a changing environment of staff and, and teachers that don't have uh, the background? So I'll pass it to Joy. Hi, I'm Joy um, Buckley and I'm an occupational therapist. I too am working in these same classrooms. So um, we are, I think my role is kind of look at those sensory motor skills. There's a lot of strengths and needs in those areas, but focusing on that functional communication and then giving them also a resource to produce work, whether it be writing with a pencil, typing on a keyboard or um, an adaptive pencil or anything in between. Um, a lot of different skill sets. And so um, looking at that, that producing um, work, but then also the um, functional communication and trying to give them access, kids access to what they need to um, participate with peers, with um, staff and things. And so Bernie, you're up. <laughs> okay, my name is Bernadette Wiley. I'm a physical therapist assistant for a lot of years, um, like 30. And I do also do assistive technology within Hancock County. And this just all came about and we were just really excited to learn more about trying to get help to these, to our students that are just very frustrated and they are not able to communicate in a way that is functional. And it, you know, we see them suffering and we just want to help in any way that we can. And like Christy said, we've, she has started to get the low tech and, you know, we're just focusing on trying to see what is the best program to use and how to implement it and like Erica said there's just so many changes and so many different people you know staff in and out and it's 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 very frustrating to go in and you know as a team and you know with what we know and try to teach our staff different things about communication when it's just so difficult you know that we're really trying to figure out what to do in other words mm -hmm. Well, I don't think any of you are alone. I mean, I think this is common things that we're hearing across the country and in some other countries. Uh, and Erica, you specifically mentioned that high turnover rate. I mean, I think that was an issue. And I don't think I know that was an issue before the pandemic. And it has only gotten worse since the pandemic. 
Um, and so, and that it seems to be one of the biggest barriers to see to any sort of effective AAC implement, implementation is that this constant turnover. So even if you did have this really robust, rich training element um, or a, you know, some sort of experience, professional learning experience, that turnover rate is, well, we got to do that every year. <laughs> you know, I got to do that every month in some cases, because there's always <laughs> new people in there. Is that, is that right. fair? Mm -hmm. It is fair. And then when you take into account in your classroom, you may have uh, several students all with different AAC devices or, or apps or programs. So uh, I think that's where we are, you know, let, we're, we're trying to look at it from a different lens and well, okay, I was wondering if it was just me or if it was everybody, but Erica was, was breaking up for all of you, right? Yeah, I think yeah. she's in one of the schools and with low coverage. So. Yeah. Yes. Well, let me just say, I think I, we still got the idea what she was saying is that um, there was a, that, uh, that there's the thought because there's so many different apps out there and none of them are being implemented really effectively or well. Could we, what are the, the implications of uh, the advantages, the pros and cons, the pitfalls and the, and the triumphs of moving to a one system primarily? Do you feel, is that a good summary of what she was saying? I think so. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, before we move on, let me just say one other thing, because you might not know this. And that is some of the most formative years of my life, like with my children, my wife and I first, in fact, we, we moved in together before we got married. We're in Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. I'm a, I, I feel like I'm currently living in Virginia and I've worked uh -huh. in Virginia for 20 years, but West Virginia feels like home to me in a lot of ways because so, so many, so many significant life events happened to me when I was in Harper's Ferry. So I feel uh -huh. really uh, amongst friends here talking to West Virginians. <laughs> Yeah, you Welcome are. Among, you are right. among friends, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what it sounds like you've already had some discussions here. And so what's on your mind with regard to to adopting some this this approach? So just a kind of little bit of the backstory, Chris. So I had shared the article that I think it was a blog post that you wrote about um, the language system approach. And um, then Bernie put out that out there on, on the chat and you responded and we kind of like have been really having that discussion um, for several weeks now. Um, I think the big thing we listened to, a couple of us have listened to the podcast that you did back in August, which was about this approach and it was implemented. And I think they were, I forget exactly where they were. But it really, uh, it was very eerily similar to kind of some of the situations that we were in, um, you know, and the questions that we had. Um, and I think that we've revisited several different times, but is there a specific program that we, you know, we, we kind of narrowed it down to touch chat and lamp and gone back and forth and got some different information. But I mean, I would love to hear your opinion on, on where to go with yeah. us. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, here on, on the podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm reticent to say, oh, use this app. So instead I'm going to ask you some questions. You just mentioned, oh, touch chat <laughs> and, well, you mentioned touch chat and lamp and I'm just curious yeah. from your perspective, how did you land on those two when there's lots out there? 
Um, I, I can speak to the lamp. Um, okay. That was something that uh, I'm kind of leaning towards, but even so through our discussions, I'm going back and forth. But um, I did not like lamp when I first was introduced to it. And um, I thought it was very complicated. And some of our students that had lower cognitive abilities were not going to be able to figure all that out because I was struggling, you know, and I can communicate and I can, you know, I have um, the ability to learn all these new different things. However, through our assistive technology, assistive technology boot camp that we went through in West Virginia, um, I got more familiar with LAMP. Um, I've also have a friend who has a daughter who um, uh, has CP and needs communication device. And so she's been accessing that. Um, so I saw it in action. And then I also saw it um, just through the trainings through that. And, you know, I was worried that some kids like they can't do it, but that wasn't the case at all. You know, it doesn't matter what the icon is. They learn that that button gets them to where they need to go to ask for a video. And then that button and that video button never change. It's always there. So if that's the button they learn first, okay. And then we add another button. It might be on this side of the device. And so it seemed to have a lot more potential regardless of ability. Just it, it kind of goes back to when I wrote this down. You know, when you practice something, you get better at it. And so I really... I really enjoyed LAMP. I was able to use it with a student who had LAMP on um, his device came in and, you know, um, we kind of know who I'm talking about, but his favorite color is black. And so you would ask him a question and he would just hit black. I mean, you would ask him, do you want milk? And he hits black, <laughs> you know, and he just was loving it because he was, he knew that wasn't the answer, but he was using and he was communicating or having a fun time with it. Um, when I said, you know what? Black doesn't answer the question. I'm just going to, you know, if that's what you want to talk about, I, I need to talk to someone else. And I walked across the room and then he hit goldfish, which was the right answer. Um, you know, and I don't know exactly cognitively where he's at, but he was able to use and navigate quickly when he was given the chance to find what he needed to say. It's, I don't think that's the case for everybody. But um, so I kind of like LAMP. I'm familiar, more familiar with LAMP than I am the other ones. I don't, I've been familiar with Proloquo to go, but that had some dead ends and I felt like it was more of a struggle to get it set up where LAMP is in place. The words don't move. You just learn where the words are and you learn the language that way. Um, I am not familiar with touch chat. So I'm definitely interested in learning more about that because um, the touch chat, the icons seem to be a little easier to find and understand. And that core screen seems to be more user-friendly for the staff to teach the kids. So I'm kind of going back and forth. I don't, and that's, I think, why we kind of landed on those two from my perspective, um, but I'm definitely needing to learn more about touch chat. Okay, let me comment on some of the things you said there, Joy, because- okay. Some of the things you said are exactly what we hear all the time when anyone talks about Lamp Words for Life. And that is uh, one of the first things is just out of the box, you get the, you, you know, you finally get the app and it's on your iPad and you look at it or you show it to a parent or a teacher or a paraprofessional or anyone. And they're like, that's stupid. I don't understand it. How, if I can't understand it, how are my kids going to understand it? Yeah. This is ridiculous. And I always use this example. Um, 
Have you ever played, have any of you ever played Sudoku? You ever played yeah. Sudoku? Yeah. Yeah, right. Have you ever been stuck on Sudoku where you haven't been figuring it, figure it out? Or if you, if you don't know Sudoku, a crossword puzzle, you're stuck, right? You ever been in that situation? And do you ever say, oh, those idiots must have printed it wrong, right? No, you never think that they printed it wrong. You think, oh, there's something that I, there's a trick here and I don't get it. And as soon as someone maybe helps you get it, then you're like, oh, that's the right thing. And that's how LAMP works. That's how I think, like, as soon as someone shows you the little hidden patterns, the other analogy I use is the matrix, right? Like, uh, (laughs) once you've taken the red pill or the blue pill, whichever one it is, you know, now you can't unsee it. Well, there's hidden patterns there in LAMP. And as soon as you, uh, someone shows you the patterns, you're like, that's brilliant. How come? And, And it becomes way less cognitively demanding than you think it does, which I think, Joy, you've landed on um, through experience. Is that all fair? Mm -hmm. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something else you said that I just want to talk about for a second. You said the pictures don't matter. And um, I sort of believe that too, but the way I'm going to just twist that a little bit and the Mm way um, someone, someone named Tracy Kovach, who's been on the podcast, taught me about that. I was saying something similar, Joy, Joy. I was like, the pictures don't matter. And she's like, well, they matter, just not as much as you think they matter. And I was like, yeah, right. That's what I mean. And let me just give you an example because that's another thing that you often hear with Lampwords for Life or the Unity system, like the other PRC, any any of the MinSpeak mm-hmm. systems. Is you look at the pictures and you go, "Well, that's stupid. Why is it? Uh, why is it a? Uh, here's a, this is one of the great examples. Why is it a sheep for the word it? Yeah, well, that's right. And it, anyone looks at that, they think of that and they go, "Well, that's crazy." But again. Is it you think maybe they just randomly picked a sheep and threw it on there, or maybe they had some sort of logic behind it and you just don't know it yet, right? So I'm gonna ask you, do any of you realize why there's a sheep for the for the word it? Can't say that I do. No. No. Okay. Well, let me ask it another way. You get it's back in 1985 or whatever. They were uh, so lamp is lamp words for life is the baby sibling of uh, systems that have been out since the early 80s. Again, the 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 MinSpeak system, uh, lamp is a MinSpeak system. So, um, these people sat around a table and had to program, like, okay, how what pictures are we going to put for every single word and where are we going to map out the different hits? Um, for this system. And so they're sitting around a table and they get to the word it back in the 80s and they say, what are we going to draw? So put yourself in that situation. You're sitting at the table. You have to draw something for the word it. What would you draw? A blob. Maybe some sort of blob. (laughs) And if you were a little kid, would you look at that and go, oh, that's it? No. Probably not, right? Mm -hmm. If you... In any system, if you were to cover up the text or remove the text, some systems allow you to remove the text, and you gave the images to anybody and said, tell me what that is. Well, core vocabulary is really hard to draw pictures for, you know? So they would look at some sort of object. You met, Joy, you mentioned Prolo Quo. It's a great example. There might be a hand pointing to a box, and you'd be like, well, okay, what what word is that? Is, Is it? You know, is it it? Is it that? Is it there? Is it here? Could be lots of different words. So when you put yourself in that shoe, those shoes, you realize, hmm, that's really a tricky thing to do is to try and come up with images for core vocabulary. So again, back in the 80s, when they were developing the MinSpeak system, or I guess late 70s, early 80s, they said, hmm, all right, what's some way that 
teachers and parents could teach the word it and other words, but we'll just focus on the word it right now. What's some picture that could help them teach this concept of it? Where would kids back in the late 70s and early 80s hear the word it a lot? Any ideas? I'm guessing farms. <laughs> Maybe farms. Okay, so Joy, yeah. you're not you're not far off, right? So because back in the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, we were singing Old MacDonald all the time. Old MacDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. But, and eventually you might get to sheep, right? But mm -hmm. where's the word it in there? Not in there, right? Mm -hmm. But what's something sort of like Old MacDonald? Christina, I see you thinking you got it. You're, no, you're... <laughs> I don't know. I don't like Old MacDonald? What else? What else is similar to that that we were doing with kids all the time in the seventies and the eighties? B i n g o. <laughs> not a song. It's not a song. It's not okay. a song, but it's close. Hmm. I don't know, Chris. You got me. Okay. Uh, do you know this 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 little girl named Mary? <gasps> oh uh, yeah. Sorry. She had a yeah. Nursery rhymes. Oh, yes, yeah. Erica. Nursery rhymes. Everyone was doing nursery rhymes. Certainly when I was growing up in the early, uh -huh. um, late 70s, <laughs> um, yeah. my, I learned through nursery rhymes. So everyone knew Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. So this was a way you could teach it and kids would hear the word it. And there were songs. I mean, there were um, yeah. story books. That's mm -hmm. not all, right? Um there are other examples where they used the images in that regard and said, this is a way you can teach it. If you think of the Lamp Words for Life system for prepositions, right? Can you, do you know what that is? What the symbol is for the word? I think it's in, right? And when you hit in, it takes you to the page of other prepositions. Do you know what the symbol is for it? I don't right now. I know. I feel like I need my board in front of me. I know. I know. What Where's my it? cardboard? Where's my cardboard? Well, and Joy, <laughs> you're... Joy, just to be just to you could probably picture it in your mind where the word in is right on the board if you've been using it at all because of mm -hmm. what you said like eventually I don't need the image anymore because I know where it is but when I'm first learning it they, I, it is so I'll, I'll just uh, mm -hmm. people who might be listening to this in the future in their cars you know are probably screaming out it's a bridge with a cloud yes, over it, it is. yes yes it is <laughs> yes right what the heck is that why would there be a bridge with a cloud for the for for that mm -hmm. london, london bridges. bridges yeah london bridge great idea right. uh, 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 no 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 it, it's not wrong either um this is a gateway to to prepositions and the idea was you could build a bridge out of out of popsicle sticks or or draw bridges take some cotton and make that a um a, uh, a cloud and the cloud could go over a bridge a cloud could go under a bridge a bridge could go through a cloud and you could get to so many prepositions through this you know tinker toys that you're playing with and cotton balls as again with the thought people can teach it this way right not that a kid's going to look at it and identify it because looking at it and identifying it and trying to reasoning it out is going to be so hard with core vocabulary so i'll give you one more one more not too good to, to but do you know what the word and is what the picture for and is now i don't remember 
<laughs> Are you looking at it, Joy? Did you, did you yeah, pull it I up? found it. Okay, so what's the picture for the word and? Hmm. I'm not even finding and yet. Well, do the word find. Search. Do the word search. Well, I just have it on as a, a oh. graph that I pulled up off the internet just as a quick. Gotcha. Um, all right, I'll let you know what it is. I'll let you off the hook while you're Okay, looking. thank you. Ready? Okay. It's two train cars coupling. Yes, it is. Right by the so, bridge. <laughs> again, 70s or 80s. Why is that there? <laughs> See it? Yeah. Why did they pick that symbol? Conjunction function? Almost, Joy. It's <laughs> conjunction, junction. That's what's what's your function? function? It's schoolhouse rocks, right? Yeah. So the point yeah. being that whole long thing, uh, I know we spent a little more time on it than maybe you were that. I mean, I don't know. I just, it's, it's, it's interesting to know the big thing you need to take away though, is there's a reason behind it. They've thought okay. it through, you know, uh, all the people all over the country and different countries and over the world. And have been using this, uh, a version of this system since the eighties probably aren't wrong. You know what I mean, there's probably some, some yeah. rationale behind it. We just need to learn it. And then we could teach it, you know, because as soon as people start to, oh my gosh, yeah, what's this other picture here? <gasps> a dog, a dog with a newspaper in their mouth. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, dogs come, go get that. They fetch it, come, come, come. Mm -hmm. So now we can teach it, you know what I mean? Um, so there's some rationale and reasoning behind it yeah. uh, that we that is teachable. So anyway, a little side note, but you you had mentioned so much. So the pictures can help you teach it. I guess one last thing, yeah. one, one last thing. Rachel and I often do presentations together. And one of our favorite activities that we do, it's a great one to do for any professional learning you do, is we um, we ask people to uh, have one person leave the room and then we have other people come in and uh, we just everyone else who's left in the room, we ask them to draw a word and we pick a core vocabulary word. We usually pick the word work, okay? Now, if you, Erica just left, right? So... If the three of you still here had to draw, if, if uh, uh, Bernadette, right, Bernadette, if you weren't driving, we would ask you to do it. But what would you draw? Do you know what I mean? For the word work. I would draw crazy. <laughs> yeah, like a face with crazy hair and like, crazy eyes. Sure, exactly. But Joy, what were you thinking you'd draw? I was thinking like a hammer, like something productive. Yeah. And Christina, what were you going to draw? Oh uh, yeah, like somebody like in a uniform for like working. Exactly. So now, if, if Erica hadn't heard that right, and she saw <laughs> Joyce, the the crazy hair person, right, she'd probably go, "Yeah, that's crazy. That word is crazy, right?" Or stressed, right? <laughs> uh, she probably wouldn't pick work. But it, then, if she looked at Joyce and Joyce a hammer and nail, you might say hammer or nail, right? Mm -hmm. Or or maybe hit you know, but you probably wouldn't get to work. And then if you look at Christina and you'd go, okay, let me look at yours, Christina. Oh, okay. That's a job, teacher, office, paper, right? But then, so each one of those is wrong. Erica doesn't get to work. And we, we prove this over and over again when we do our presentations. It's a, it's a hoot when people do it. But then when Christina does use her cognitive uh, abilities and goes, oh, what's, uh, What's stressed crazy plus work hammer plus a uh, person at desk? That's work, right? That's that, all those three things together. And that is also the, a principle that Lamp Words for Life and the Unity systems are built on. 
just right now, without even thinking about it, if I said turtle plus um, snail or snail plus turtle, what word am I talking about? Slow. Slow. Slow, right? See how you get that, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and if you were to go look, Joy, what's the two hits to say slow, right? It would be... Yeah. Those two. And so again, there's a little method behind this madness. This I didn't mean to do a little mini lamp training here, but just there's a there's there's a yes, out of the box. Oh, this is terrible. A little bit of training with a little bit of rationale behind it. Oh my gosh, look how cool this is. Gotcha. Does that yeah. help? Yeah, it does. All right. So you mentioned lamp. You you said you had you don't have much experience with touch chat, but other you've got other touch chats on the on the menu, boys, right? Why is touch chat on the menu? Meaning why um, are you different articles, different different things that we had read and we had done some research. There there was a lot of mention of touch chat. And actually the people that you had on your podcast then um, back in August was touch chat. That's what I had started. I went to we all went out to closing the gap in October and so I had picked up the touch chat wall board and touch chat core board so that's what I brought back with me that's what I kind of you know we had started to 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 put up and get out to the to the classrooms um and then we had you know heard that in several different you know articles and like I said on the podcast and stuff about touch chat um I think I did have a question though about lamp. So like you said, like when the light bulb bulb goes off about the, that it does make sense. Um, like joy did like joy's light bulb like went off. Joy's, right? li <laughs> joy's light bulb went off, but is that an expectation for, you know, paraprofessionals and classroom teachers then, you know, with modeling, you know, we want the light bulb to go off for them. And, but it, you know, is that hard? How difficult is that? Like, when does the light bulb go off? I guess that's my question. I find the lift is very small. Like in, okay. I, in and again, uh, how do I say this? Like within 30 minutes, probably less, okay. usually okay. within 15, I can get the light bulb to go off. Okay. The only way I do that is show the pattern. Um, like Joy, since you have it there, are you familiar with where the verbs are? Do you know how that works? Yeah, the verbs, aren't they? Well, um, they're on the, hmm, not really. Not really, right? Exactly. <laughs> I've been trying someone... to, I watched like a little thing about a bunch of different things and I'm getting them all confused because we really haven't dove in to really implement any of them. And like gotcha. Christy said, she set up the touch chat. I didn't even know that that was touch chat until we started talking. So like, I know where the help is on that board. But then I'm not sure where it is on this board. I know where the go is on this board, but I don't know where it is on the other one. So I'm one that I don't know if I can learn both. And that's kind of my confusion. Do we stick to one or do we learn them both? Okay. So, yeah, I, I can I answer all of that for you, Joe, Joy. So <laughs> so yeah. let's do it quick, though. Let me just, because now people are going to be wondering. Uh, you know how to say go on Lamp Words for Life? Do you see where hit one is? It's the frog. It's and the frog with the traffic light, yes. And hit two is the little working man dude, right? Okay. In, in I don't have road. that board with me, but yeah. Oh, you I do. Just you... The, I just did the screen. Oh, you don't actually. On the internet, yeah. Okay. That's all I got. Well, the way it works is it's one. So I always think of words as little in, in Lamp Words for Life and MinSpeak programs um, as a math formula. So hit number one plus hit number two 
equals saying the word out loud. Sometimes it's three hits, like open, yeah. for instance, is three hits. It's never more than three hits with Lamp Birds for Life. And like you said, Joy, they're always in the same spot. So there's no, you can get really fast, right? But here's the pattern that a lot of people don't know. And this is when I said, Christina, that you can get people there really quickly is when you show them this first pattern. It said all the verbs are in this green row. So meaning mm -hmm. the, sec the second hit is in, or sometimes the third hit is in that green row. Mm -hmm. So that working man is really important because if you said hit number one is the frog, hit number two is the working man, that's going to say go out loud. How do you say eat? Well, it's apple, hit number one, plus working man, because it's a verb, that second hit is in the same okay. spot. And all of a sudden, and then I go, find love, find want, find stop. These are all verbs. And the second hit is always in the same spot. Okay. And before you know it, within seconds, people's fingers are moving to hit that second hit faster than the iPad can even process it. So they have to actually wait a second to wait for the iPad to flip over to hit it. And we go, boom, right there. That's the power of the motor planning is that you don't have to think it once you know, and now that's a way to teach it. Hey kids, this verbs are actions and look at this person moving, right? So now we're going to teach that these are actions and actions are stuff that you do. And so we can teach parts of speech. Christina, I hope I'm speaking at a speech therapist, baby. Yeah, died. you are. Yeah. <laughs> and this is definitely like resonating with me because you're right. Like you're, because, you know, we're not moving as fast maybe right now, but eventually people get faster and faster and they, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking when you're doing two hit. Correct. Now I just comment. Yeah. I want to comment a little bit on touch chat. So Joy, something we find in our neck of the woods, it seems to be a consistent experience is when we get to the secondary level, kids that may have started off with LAMP or been using LAMP for a number of years, uh, they might continue to use LAMP and that might be the most uh, efficient form of AAC for them. But we've been finding a trend. Again, I don't have any research to support. This is just my experience. Secondary level, they start to get jobs and they start to have uh, maybe more deeper relationships. You know, kids get older and things happen, you know, things change. And there's a little bit of squirreliness around the pictures, not what the pictures are, just that they exist at all. You know, um, like, I just want to use text. Everyone else is texting. Can I just have words? Can I just have letters? Mm -hmm. That feels more adult. When I'm working in a in a job setting, I want something that is just words. And touch chat seems to be the place, again, just as a trend, what I'm seeing out in the world is, well, let's move then to touch chat. But here's another thing that I, I would uh, point out to you is that, uh, again, experience over the years of doing this podcast and meeting uh, AAC users that know what they're doing have learned over the years have been have taught have say I've never met an AAC user that doesn't use multiple tools you know right. so they might code switch and be like sometimes I use a letter board sometimes I use touch chat sometimes I use lamp verbs for life you know so mm -hmm. as an as an adult uh, who is who's experienced and learned language and has some 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 minutes behind them them you know they can start to introduce other tools you're not locked into just one you only get to use one thing for the rest of your life no you can learn really use one as your primary tool and then have secondary ones that said and and then the other thing I'll throw on top of that is in any of these um especially you that are looking at from a distant a district district level all schools everybody level. 
we could start doing some uh, training and experiences for the learners themselves. Imagine all the fifth graders learning like about a particular app and some pictures and be like, don't you use emojis all the time? Don't you see GIFs all the time? Don't you see and sort of start to change the mindset around how pictures look like, although it looks kitty, I'm using, you know, it doesn't look kitty. We all use pictures. We use emojis all the time. We all use GIFs and make it so that the kids are growing up in a different sort of culture where it doesn't feel so childish to them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned that, I think that was in the podcast in August too, about how the tiered system looks differently based on different age levels. I thought that was like such a good point that, you know, that our tiered system at the elementary level may look different than what they're doing at middle school and even then high school. Well, and you might, again, you might have all the same tier one and right. then pivot from there um, for sure. Let, let me ask, it sounds like we, 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 you mentioned the reason you were thinking of touch chat is because you heard it on the podcast. You've just been sort of hearing things out there, mm -hmm. but it sounds like, uh, when we are doing introductions, you have a number of students, like Erica mentioned, there's mm -hmm. a number of, of learners that you already have that have systems. How yeah. did they get that system now? Like, do you, are you doing evaluations? Do you have private people that are there? Are their parents buying them? I mean, is it all of those things? Do you have one primary way? What's the, how does it work now? So really, it's a combination of everything you just mentioned. We have, we have, um, we are a one-to-one -one county with iPads. So every single student in our county has their own iPad that they have available for their use. And then of course, our students with special needs have apps loaded onto those iPads that are specific to them. So um, some of some of their applications that they have on their iPads have come from recommendations from their therapy team. Um, some of them have come from uh, recommendations from outside therapists. Sometimes we have students that are, uh, you know, go to an outside therapist and their their parents purchased a secondary iPad with different applications you know on that device so we have um we have a diverse way of how students end up with different kinds of systems mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that I think is consistent everywhere and that's one thing that this um when we talk about using something called the set framework, you've probably heard us talk about mm -hmm. that on the podcast. The idea being, let's pull all these all these players together, make a group decision using this framework as sort of a guiding way of asking questions to to land on uh, an individual thing. But that that individual thing, whatever that might be, we're all on board with it now, as opposed to one outside person or Christina made a recommendation and now it's it sort of. Um, uh, uh, everyone else has to sort of adopt what one person thought of, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so that, and, and so that's, that's another component here is if you did adopt some sort of universal tool that's available to everybody and we know it's not going to work for these kids, how, what's the protocol like for a tier to, to, to choose something different, you know, um, mm -hmm. and I'd advocate for that set, set framework sort of protocol. Right. And I don't think we have that written down per se, but, um, and that would be something we would definitely probably need to write down, but we've also done um, like just assistive technology evaluations. And I think whenever, um, you know, if 
and, and I've done this even in districts where I worked before um, West Virginia, like the parent my family might come in and say, we need this $10,000 device. This is what they need. It's like, well, let's do an AT eval and see if this is the most appropriate at this time. You know, as when we're moving into those higher tiers where, you know, that tier mm -hmm. one, you know, Christy and I are walking in there, we're using it to model, you know, just the basic pointing to this picture and that picture and that sort of thing. Um, so I think there comes a point where you need to do that individualized um, assistive technology eval and look at an individualized um, communication device. Um, but I also think you need to have that baseline in a sense where you're starting and giving them something when they walk in the door to help with functional communication. Yeah. I mean, that sounds great. You're not wasting any time that way. That's something when they come through the door. I think a lot of places around the country have sort of said, yeah, we do that. We have like a low tech core board. Um, and what I'm sort of advocating here is that, okay, I mean, if, if funds are what they are, but let's not pretend that's going to fit the bill. Let's just do that because that's where we are practically. But let's what kind of conversations can we have to move and say, we need something more robust as our tier one. Uh, so, and, and the, whatever that core board might be, will it flow to that more robust thing? So, you know, mm -hmm. we could have screenshots of, of a home screen of touch chat or lamp words for life or whatever tool you choose as, as another resource that's available to everybody.